Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts who guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by Swine Tech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. Popular Pig is also made possible by Johnsonville Foods, Swine Robotics, SwineWeb.com, and Innovative Heating, the manufacturers of Hoghearth. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. My name is Matthew Rota, your host for today's episode. Today, we're going to talk about driving strategy to the slats with Mr. Barrett Eller of New Fashion Pork. Thank you for joining us today, Barrett. Well, thanks for having me today, Matt. I'm excited to talk about this idea of driving strategy to the slats with somebody who has a role within HR and safety at New Fashion Pork. We often talk about this from a sow production manager's perspective, but you actually bring to the table a lot of different perspectives that align well with the sow production manager that more so focus on the process and the people and, and the management of that strategy, allowing you to be agile. And, and I'm glad we're going to be able to dive into that element, element today. And you talked about this at the NPIC conference last week, feels like forever ago already, but last week, and I heard producer after producer after producer walking out saying that was awesome and telling other people and they're like, oh, I should have gone to that. So I'm excited to talk about that here. If you could just open up by telling us a little bit about your background and how you got to your role today at New Fashion Pork, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, so actually, and there's there's a there's a good story on uh, how I uh, wound up on NFP's door uh, back in 2015 too. But um, so I, I originally had more of a uh, production and maintenance background uh, with Dupont Pioneer, and I, I switched around a couple of different locations with them, and uh, wound and I was at the Jackson, Minnesota Dupont Pioneer. And uh, one time they, they obviously back in 15 they had an opening uh, for a, a safety role at the time. And I asked a, a fellow parent, you know, from uh, one of my wrestlers, Tammy Handvit, who I actually work with now in the, in the human resources department. And I asked her how she liked working at New Fashion Pork. And she had nothing but uh, good things to say. And of course, if you drive through Jackson, Minnesota, uh, you, you're probably going to walk, you know, drive by at least two or three signs that, that say something about, you know, something they've donated or something they've done for the community. And so, so that's great. I, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna ask Brad and Meg Frecking too on how they like it because I saw them, you know, at wrestling practice and they wear the shirts and stuff. And and she couldn't help but laugh. And she goes, Well, they're probably gonna be a little biased because because they're obviously the owners. And, and so I was like, Well, at least I asked you first, right? And so I got that uh, I got a little bit of a uh new new person to town feel there. Um, but uh but how I wound up in the role uh, I am today, obviously, it started in, in the safety background and, uh, you know, enjoy it, do fairly well. But uh, what really kind of turned me towards um, human resource management was not only my director of HR today, uh, Janet Sparks, but um, if you're a baseball or movie fan, uh, nonetheless, you you know, you've probably heard of the movie Moneyball and is obviously a good book, but but it's a really a good business theory all in all. And, uh, you know, it it provides the challenges that any industry does, you know, small employer, large employer, and it's, you only have so many resources and uh, you do have an overall company strategy. 
And as, as the general manager, you know, Billy Bean or, you know, in the movie, Brad Pitt, you know, has to go out and find a way to execute with resources provided. And he really starts to look at, you know, okay, if this is our overall strategy and what we want to execute, you know, what are different ways we can do that versus just following the trend or, you know, I guess the better word for, for across industries, what would be the best practices or, you know, kind of the flavor of the month deal and uh, hit everybody with a different concept. And, you know, somebody that uh, is obviously in the commodities today can, can appreciate the fact that he competed with high level clubs, obviously the Yankees and, and did it at a third the cost. So when you could do something at a third the cost and produce a better result, I think that's going to grab obviously a lot of attention anywhere. Uh, so that's kind of got me te- geared a little bit towards that human resource management and uh, had some success and uh, good exposure at a larger company and uh, had the privilege of working with uh, another uh, VP of HR, Tom Nelson, who's got background uh, not only in mining now, but vastly in agriculture and, and food manufacturing also. And he's really kind of what turned you know everything toward that next direction of you know, how to really look at human resources as a strategic function and not just human resources, but overall, um, you know, any support support role. And that's just a good execution by your company on and looking at your entire team and what they can provide versus uh, just keeping everybody in silos. That's a really good point. I mean, when you start talking about all the things that producers are doing and Yankees compared to the athletics and everything else that went into that, uh, we all have access to pretty, pretty high level genetics, and that is giving us an incredible opportunity. But when we look at farm to farm, not every company is taking advantage of that opportunity. And a lot of that has to do with variances with different people and processes and, and training and all of these things that point back to an, H, an opportunity to work with HR, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like it, when you look, go ahead. No, and that you you hit it right there is you know it, it provides a great opportunity to to harness obviously a good a good support service and and human resources just simply because like you said it's like everybody kind of has the the ground basis of great genetics and um, a certain level of technology out there, but it's you know how do you how do you take it past that next step? And that's where you know that human element really kind of falls into place, or how you're aligning. Uh, the rest of your operations around the talent that you do have or or you're willing to develop because um, we're not necessarily always pulling from from a, from a community like Des Moines or Omaha or Minneapolis or Chicago that that has a lot of people. Usually if if we're recruiting around a local farm, um, you know, they don't work for us. There's a chance that, you know, they possibly did or um, possibly a family relative or friend did. So there's a little bit more of a, a close side of what talent we can attract there too. So I know that you have a lot of great things to talk about with us today. I know some of it ranges from how do you focus on continual planning versus annual? How do you create an agile workforce? How do you manage turnover as opposed to try to prevent turnover and, and some of the things that go into that? And um, could you just start by talking about at a high level, what are some of the major challenges we face in modern pork production at a larger scale, such as new fashion pork, when it comes to managing people and process. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, whether you're new fashion pork, you know, and I can't uh, talk for necessarily other system, you know, other production systems either. 
but it's really that, you know, after you formulate the strategy and where you want to, you know, head your direction for your company at that given time, it's, you know, then you start aligning new objectives, whether it's, you know, we need to lower pre-wean and this is how we're going to do it or improve uh, lactating piglet care. And this is how we're going to do it. It's really that human element of, you know, if I've got 13 different sow farms, there's a chance that they're all, you know, there, there's always a chance that there's some, they could be somewhat, you know, down one or two persons, or maybe, you know, we've even had staffs uh, within the last two years that, you know, have flipped, you know, half of their staff, you know, within a short amount of time. So how do you, you know, go from just, you know, keeping afloat and treading water at times, because then that also becomes a habit in itself to actually going out and progressing either that farm or your entire systems. And that's, that's where that, you know, that, that difficulty really lies is, you know, how do you, number one, you know, stop, you know, from just treading water after you've just got done doing it, because I think any South Farm manager out there or service manager has been put in that position if they've been within in the role for any length of time. But then how do you know when to, okay, this is, this is where we need to start gearing back towards. And I had talked a little bit about at the conference, you know, time to productivity. You know, if we do have a high level of uh, flow of turnover, you know, how do you, you know, how do you turn them into productive and value added workforce quickly um, in a safe manner to where they, they know they're adding value to the overall strategy and the company output. But then for help, you know, you're obviously kind of hitting at full steam um, more often than not throughout the year. And so those are those are a couple of different areas. And then, you, you know, depending on how spread your system is, there's always that there's always that verification that the processes are actually getting followed through with and executed. And this is at no at no demise of any any manager or um, barn worker by any means but it becomes kind of like a playing the game of telephone to an extent too, where, you know, 80% of the processes was, you know, it was executed great, you know, up to 80%, but really that last 20 turns around and gets you 80% of the value. And that, you know, becomes in those high intricate details in there. Um, and that's where, you know, maybe, you know, we've seen conception rate drops and, and different um, contributing KPIs or, or, you know, they're still lagging to an extent. Um, and it really, you know, takes the farm manager, that department head kind of going out, looking at techniques and those sort of things. And, and yeah, kind of even within the same barn, it be kind of becomes this game of telephone of how much is really passed on and, and valued through. When we look at those contributing KPIs that really tie into pigs wean and, and the things that are contributing to those, could you talk a little bit about what is the measurement of success in most scenarios? And then what influences do we measure? And then what do we not measure that are potentially driving a high ROI uh, that if we had that opportunity, we could probably kind of bring things to the next level? Yeah. And, and so I guess if you would ask, ask us, you know, a, a, good, uh, a good representation, if a sow farm, for example, is successful, you know, they're, they're increasing their total level or total amount of, of pigs weaned, available pigs weaned, right? And uh, contributing KPIs, you know, you're looking at conception rates, you're looking at pre-wean mortality, and uh, I think it's a pretty good common baseline across the industry that I think everybody uh, tracks those and tracks those fairly well, I would say. Um, but really, you know, after that, so you then, you know, if you're looking at kind of the strategy wheel overall, you have over that overall motive that we want to be a cost level producer. And that's, I think, where the bucket where most producers would fall in. 
and our objectives is okay if we want to be a cost level producer we obviously need um to you know value you know make sure we have the highest level of if efficiency on our inputs um, and get the most effectiveness out of them and we need to have lower pre-wean and those sort of you know those sort of kpis um, in order to get the total of pigs weaned unfortunately then you you kind of look at those that plan or what then needs to happen to have that lower pre-wean or what needs to happen to have that higher level of conception rate in those level of kpis and that's where that, you know, it, it, we're in a sense that we're, we're not a manufacturing plant. You know, I think if there was a holdup on a production line or even uh, when I worked in, in seed production and uh, we had issues with certain level of bags or threads or what, whatever it may be, um, you know, we had just typed in the computer, you know, this, this person that was running the bagger, you know, call it me, uh, you know, had issues and only pumped out, you know, so many bags an hour. Well, you got down pretty intricately, you know, and detailed wise as to why that production line was stopping. And I think that's where an opportunity can kind of lie, at least I believe in our industry uh, to an extent too, is, you know, how are we, you know, held accountable to those contributing KPIs or high contribution or high ROI tasks as I, I referred to them as, is making sure, okay, if, if that's the role you know, and they're part of the strategy that they need to execute, uh, shouldn't that be measured also? And make sure that's validated, that it's being done correctly and a high level of output. And um, and that's just to, just to make sure too, you know, like the game of, the game of telephone's not occurring and you're making sure that your slot level uh, is referred to as often, you know, and that's, that's also where the difference is made, right? And they're extremely valued yeah. uh, personnel on every single farm not just the manager, but the department heads um, and the farrowing techs, you know, you look at the numbers of, of, you know, possible treatments or, or processing and those sort of things. And that's, and that's pretty rigorous work that I kind of got a slap in the face of, you know, back in 2015. And it really, I really gained a, a large amount of appreciation for, for what they do on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, 365 days a year. And I, and I think, uh, <laughs> That was actually referred to by a gentleman at the NPIC is, you know, what's the dis disconnect between support services and production? And, and he hit me with the brutal honesty. He said they don't work 365 days a year. And that's a that's a level of rapport that's that's difficult to overcome. Right. And uh, and that's where our, our level is there. Our human resources department or other department. We need to continue to make sure who our internal customer is and how value added they are. And uh, from from the production side, hopefully they they understand and, and kind of believe in us too that we can make their lives easier. <laughs> and, and, you know, yeah. as much as as much as that's you know may be said a different way sometimes, but uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of what it comes down to is you know making sure that they under you know if there's an overall strategy by the director of production, you know how can we help support that all the way down through? Yeah, no, and that's a really good point too because we. We, we have these individuals who are performing highly skilled tasks and some of those high contributing ROI tests that you had mentioned were your pre-farrow, your day one cares, your, your nursing cares. And when you get them down, there isn't a whole lot of opportunity to figure out, all right, now, how do I take this to the next level? As somebody doing that job, as somebody remembers doing that job, it almost felt like, all right, we're looking at sports. We have baseball. I don't know baseball well, so we'll go football. <laughs> uh, you won 15 games and you had a 
80% completion, which is really high. We'll go 71% completion. Uh, but if you don't know how many of them were, were X types of routes and you can't break that down further, how is a player, are you supported with the information you need to take yourself to the next level? You enter an area of plateau, which doesn't stretch you or give you a, a sense of, I can, I can do more. I can grow and develop in this position. And is there an opportunity to take all the different positions we have in a South farm and better surround it with an opportunity for individuals to grow and develop within that just to, to feel like they're making progress or to know they're making progress? Because sometimes it feels like people can be stagnant and you get that head down mentality, which is kind of that, that checking out that you don't want, right? Right. And I think, you know, one of the biggest challenges too, you know, and, and this could be a generational item too, you know, as myself as a millennial, I know this is, you know, we always want to go, go up as, as to some extent or, or learn and develop too. But if you create a system like this and you start looking at, you know, kind of their score, you know, there's the other thing I, I talked to a professor at, at the MPIC and she said, you know, we we're looking into that, you know, students, whether it be high school student, community college, or a four-year degree or, or higher, they're so used to being graded, but, but objectively, right? You know, if, yeah. you, if you have a test with, you know, 10 questions and you get nine right, you know that you're at 90%. There's clear cut and dry, this is where it's at. Um, and, you know, when they join the workforce, you know, we, we are, are more lent, you know, cited to relying on subjective ratings. And that's where I think a little bit of a disconnect in the loss could be. And you look at, you know, and, and you mentioned too, you know, how can we grow and develop? There's a large part, you know, where they can progress themselves. You know, I put this as four different areas at the, in my, in my presentation too. You know, the first being is, is, you know, how are they aligning with their current job description? If you're looking at those, you know, those quarterly performance planning, you know, like we do, and, that, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you need to make sure that they're really at a high level uh, performing their current responsibilities. And that second level, you know, is their job about to change? And, and we spoke a little bit about being an agile workforce, you know, depending on how your strategy changes month to month, quarter to quarter, year to year. And um, their job is bound to change to some extent. And, there, and that's still growth potential. So you're looking at even these two just out of, out of the top four. And then my third one is, uh, you know, how do they higher level of, uh, you know, farm acumen, I guess you can call it too, our functional excellence. And the fourth level is that succession planning, which is then it, then it becomes more of a smaller, smaller area. And that's, and that's just not, not just due to qualification, but, uh, you know, who, what the, what the employee wants out of their career. You know, there's some that that do want to walk in the door and they want to be the manager and in, in, uh, in a couple of years and they're striving to be that and they want to be that. And then you also have somebody who comes in and they are they really just want to they, they love working in the barn. They don't want to manage people, um, but they'll do that day in and day out. They still need to you could still harness, you know, like allow them to to grow and develop and then become a multiplier for within your farm of, OK, if Matt's a great breeder, you know, he doesn't want to be the breeding department head, but how can else can I utilize his skills and kind of bleed off of, okay, you know, what type of presence does he provide my farm? And that's where you almost get into those intangibles too, which is a whole different level 
um, that I'm pretty excited here at, at New Fashion Pork about is there's a quantitative level, which which I'm pretty familiar with. And there's kind of like that multiplier X factor level that um, that I, I really look to my director of HR, Janet Sparks, with. And that's why I make such a great team there is because although it's very difficult to quantify it and, and sometimes it's almost unexplainable, uh, those are two huge parts to it. But to get back to your question of growing and developing, if they have that metric to go by of how they're really performing, that's going to allow the information for their supervisors to show where they're at. But it's also going to be a, a gratifying thing of, hey, you know, this is what I was able to accomplish and I'm, I can do this. You know, I am a high level contributor. So when, when we talk about some of the challenges, you mentioned the walkie talkie of communicating expectations sometimes, or just figuring out, are the right things getting done? Are we compliant with expectations or with our process goals? Does the individual have access to the information or KPIs that helps them know objectively how they're doing at a task that is a high ROI generator? Like there's a lot of feel good there. What are some of the tangible benefits to a, to an organization if you can figure out a way to truly solve them? I mean, the first off is you know you really you you know you're never going to remove 100% of the guessing game of what's correlating, you know what actions are correlating what type of results, right? And that's and that's doing the part that we do. Obviously, we have diseases and we have some some other item, you know, some other adversities that do kind of come at us that are pretty unique to, to animal production versus just manufacturing or otherwise. But uh, but if you're able to do that, you can draw that direct correlation to what are you know what are your ROIs? Because if you're not tracking uh, those contributing tasks, there's a high level of belief and there's proof and there's probably studies. Um, more often than not, that these are high contributors, right? But then you can also find out a different world of what else can be a high contributor when you see that correlation between, you know, give an example, pre-weeding going down, right? So you you never know what type of thing, item you you can open up by the chance of being able to draw that correlation of how well your team is really executing those tasks that you believe are, you know, and I'm a huge Pareto principle guy you know, those 20% of tasks or that 80% of output, you know, those top three tasks may rotate a little bit uh, depending on what results or what data you can kind of pull from, um, you know, and obviously you can can always make sure you're balancing this because there's that, you know, the, the saying of paralysis by analysis. So there's always going to be data that you can look at and data will conflict itself. So you go, you'll have to find your own threshold there too. Uh, but, but yeah, I think there's going to be, there's be a huge opportunity if you can contribute, uh, or contract those contributions. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the Pareto principle. Cause that's something I did want you to touch on, uh, based on your talk, I think to wrap this up and then we'll kind of step high level. Cause we kind of worked from the farm in depth here is when, when you have all this data coming in, it can be overwhelming. But if you can figure out a way to allow individuals to gain some benefit from let's say I'm, I'm a farrowing technician and I'm given these three KPIs. Well, that's three data points that I have to look at and that's it. How, how can we, I mean, is it possible where individuals can almost have a little bit more independence and in understanding where they're at? And do you think the nature of people and, and who we are that we, we take that and run with it? Or do you think it would be ignored? I think that, you know, it really comes down to that person first off. 
um, you know, I'm, I, you know, if I saw something like that, I'd make sure, you know, they're obviously all three getting knocked out of the park. And I know a large part of our team would too, but you always get the individual too, that, you know, if they're in the middle of the pack, they're, they're fine with that. Um, you know, and, and then here's, I guess, you know, and, and I kind of refer these two as, uh, uh, the unpopular HR opinions too. You may look at, you know, depends on if your company, if it kind of fits their mold, you know, how much are you looking at, you know, performance metrics, you know, as far as a contribution level of those teams or, you know, we're starting to get into total rewards with, you know, are you pay per performance or are you straight across the board, uh, more of a seniority um, type of compensation too. And, and it all depends upon how that person's driven, but, but then you could start to look at, you know, uh, unfortunately, there's there's going to be contributors and there's going to be non-contributors on the team, too. And non-contributors uh, can be just as bad um, on the team uh, simply because then that can gain some animosity with others and say, hey, uh, he or she, you know, they're just not contributing. And then all of a sudden your key talents leaving um, or your high level contributors simply because they're, you know, they may be a little bit lag on that. Uh, a little bit slow or not wanting to, to pick up, you know, their slack, so to speak. So if somebody's looking at it and saying, these are my three high contributions, uh, the biggest thing I think it'll do is say, okay, if there's three things I really got to get right today, it's going to be these three things. And I know the, to the T, how these three things should be done. And, you know, that, then that kind of ties into, like you said, the Pareto principle of 20% of your tasks, 80% of your output. And, um, you know, that's not an all-encompassing thing, but more often than not, I see some pretty decent success with that. So it helps, helps kind of itemize, you know, narrow down for each individual. You know, I called them, you know, they are the difference makers, you know, how they can make that difference and that push for, for their whole company. Yeah, that prevents, too, the feeling of the fluidity of priority sometimes, right? Like sometimes you'll go in and it feels like everybody understands their priority and then you'll show up and all of a sudden uh, fixing a cart every day or doing random things is all of a sudden a priority to somebody and it doesn't make any sense, but it was asked once. And so therefore it probably is important. And then all of a sudden it becomes a priority. Like, do you see that shifting or fluidity of priorities and in, in day yeah. to day? Yeah, and that's and that's just not for for our fairweighing and breeding technicians or you know, grow finish workers or anything else like that. That's that could work all the way up to to myself or you know to director of production levels across industries because you know and that's kind of tied into a little bit of that that firefighting concept is you know if you go to a south farm, chances are that south farm manager you know they're not only the south farm manager they're the they're the part-time maintenance person depending on how big your system is they could be the payroll person too and once there's a problem with it they they're they're so busy um just trying to get tread water and keep it kind of flowing um that level of prioritization can kind of get by the wayside so once you provide that direction in your overall strategic plan it, it will kind of be a nice home base and uh, can it be always be done? I, I can't say that. You know, I, I haven't been, in, I haven't managed a South Farm one day in my life, you know, and, and I deeply value each individual who has at least one day in their life because that'd be a whirlwind of experience, I think. Uh, so, but go ahead. Yeah. So we've, we've kind of hit then on what are some of the challenges? What are some of the potential and opportunity that comes from that? And how, how can we look at things a little bit differently? Let's, let's step up to the top. Uh, 
we know that those are the challenges. We're sitting in the boardroom. We've got all the right people there. And we are tasked with creating a process or a strategy. And you had talked about, let's make it continuous, not annual. What are those steps at a high level that we need to make as an organization so that when we bring strategy to the farm, it can be more successful than not? Uh, you know, and, and I we're we're at a great um, you know position ourselves as a company, in which you know the the director of production, the vets, uh, style service managers, growth finish supervisors, they all work very closely together. To where you know the the chances are they're on a first name basis with a lot of individuals on those farms, and uh, knows what type of contributors they are, and being able to you know look look be at the barn and then you know obviously you know trust what's going on verify what's going on too but uh but once that you know again we do it on uh director of production and myself uh you know just kind of look at um and then obviously uh different support roles grow finish um south service managers that if you know for looking at the overall performance management of their system and i'm not i'm not a director by directing this by any means i'm more of a facilitator by all means but it's okay if this is the direction we want to head who's responsible for executing this part and you know how will we look at you know how is that can, how can that be metricized or verified that's being done at x amount of percent and then who needs to be communicated that this is changing you know what is the lag time that is changing who's going to go out and verify the process so all these questions kind of come up you know very frequently because you know like i said um, you know, we're hit with diseases. We're hit with, you know, I guess we'll hopefully never occur again, but we've been hit with a world pandemic too now. And uh, a lot of different, you know, market changes and everything else to where it may not even be the whole system is changing the strategy. It may just be that one farm. It may just be that one department in that one farm looking for, you know, reduction in pre-wean or whatever it may be. And it really starts to ask those questions, you know, what will move that metric? What are we doing now? What maybe has helped in the past? You know, who's responsible now? Do they have any experience with that? Are they prepared for it? So it really comes question after question after question. And then, yeah, sometimes it does walk away with a little bit of a list, you know, to it. But, but it takes those looking at it. And you can never assume that once you make that adjustment, um, in order to with your with your workforce and hoping they'll be agile, it really takes asking those questions and really kind of thinking about it pretty deep. Yeah, and you had talked about a lot of those questions you are asking and, and people are answering. And like you said with walkie-talkie towards the beginning, when we're asked how are people doing, we're we're giving what we know to be the best answer, but in many cases, it's probably not an accurate answer. Or a precise measure, I guess, how you want to put that yeah. is. Yeah. Yes. Yep. You know, it becomes, you know, when, when we're answering something, you know, and I've, I've, you know, I can be, you know, quite, you know, a little bit of annoying probably at sometimes too of, you know, if, if it's happening, you know, if it's hit with a yes, you know, you know, I'm usually asking, you know, how do we know if it's happening? And it's, if it's, you know, you know, we've seen it occur or consistently occur, you know, again, this is where I need that balance, you know, even within my own team, you know, that, there, there's got to be some trust there too, but there's also, you know, I'm looking for, okay, how do we know though? Like, where's the number at? And, uh, and that's kind of where the, the human resources, I'm a little bit of a different edge on that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think there's, there, you're always going to miss that little bit if, 
if you can't uh, if you can't put or verify that when you're when you're changing the wheel of that farm or heading in a different direction that everybody's moving in the same direction at once um, there's always going to be that little bit of a you know I put up you know a gap chart you know where you're at versus where your potential is at you know it's up to you on where you think you know what's an acceptable uh, gap for that um, possibility of where you could be at for growth. So kind of segueing now over into employee evaluations, you touched a little bit on uh, objective contribution um, ratings and the bad things that can come from bringing things like honesty into the conversation when, when evaluating an employee. Could you talk a little bit about the challenges that, and think maybe maybe it fits in your HR best practices, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> or the things that people don't agree with, but when you're evaluating employees, but then also the order in which in your organization you are funneling that feedback. Are you starting with the technician working your way up to the supervisor? Are you starting with the supervisor working your way down? Can you talk through some of those things? Yeah, and I'll, so I'll answer that last one, I guess, first. You know, when, when you're looking at a performance planning and you're really trying to build uh, your system around that overall strategy that's built, obviously, within, you know, your senior leadership, you know, in production, whatever their elements or their level of ownership and making sure that they say, okay, this is what needs, this is what I'm responsible for. Then the South service manager or the growth finish supervisor can say, this is what I'm responsible for. So this is what my team needs to do. And then the service manager or the South farm manager needs to say, okay, if this is what's asked of me, this is what I need my, my department heads, what they need to do. And it really needs to funnel in that direction because if you started with you know your far your farrowing tech or your, your farrowing department head too this is what their objectives need to be it gets really difficult it's almost like you know um, you're definitely starting in reverse so then it's not a high you know it's not that contribution level of bits and pieces of the team because you're not starting from that fifty thousand foot view and then breaking it down to everybody's part and making sure the the ship's moving in the right direction you're almost, you know, a lot of situations, you're kind of putting it in spots, right? Where uh, this farm manager, you know, he's got all of his in, but this South service manager, uh, she's she's got nothing in. So everybody's kind of moving individually and not as a unit. And so therefore it gets really difficult to align not only what direction you're heading and how everybody can reach to their highest uh, return on return on action, I guess is a good way to say it, or return on their tasks. Uh, gets, you know, you, you can't even really, you know, it gets really difficult also to correlate it too. And, uh, and going in performance planning, you know, we do it uh, a little bit more, for, we do it formally on a quarterly basis, but then on a month to month, you know, that feedback is, is critical too on making sure that if these are the steps that, you know, if I want, if I want Jeff to learn um, a high level of ventilation throughout the year, and I want him setting up the gestation barns, but he's a new employee. Uh, what are the what's that breakdown look like? You know, I think in the past, you know, and us included, you know, if we looked at you know that five, that whole year of you know this is what our goals are, uh, we would looked at that goal. But it's that difficult breaking it down, okay, in little bits and pieces of you know we need to walk before we can run type of concept. And uh, what that really looks like is you know okay if that's where we want to be in twelve months, what do we need to look like? it's July 22nd. What do we need to look like in August? 
what, do, what does it need to look like in December and make sure that we're continually on that track. And, and obviously that'll take, you know, turns along the way. You know, I've been, you know, part of uh, development plans this last year where, um, you know, it was a prolonged succession plan and then, you know, opportunities arise and the person got promoted and it was great. And all of a sudden succession planning went from zero to 60. And uh, so those sort of things happen. And uh, unfortunately too, you lose key talent. Um, and uh, and that's also a possibility where, okay, the, you know, their person's out, you know, that person's out of, of this role of responsibility and their growth pattern. You know, who's going to be able to step into that? And that really kind of creates, again, kind of referring back maybe to, you know, I guess the, the pun intended, right? Your farm system is, you, you know, if you can build from within, that's always going to be a, a strong suit because it's somebody who's already familiar with your system. You probably learn with them a little bit more on a personal level and they start to grow within and then you already know who's most capable of sliding into that slot. And, and that just comes with being able to know the person and, you know, whether they're there for six months or six years prior, you know, a little bit about their tendencies and their personalities and, and their consistency too, versus, versus an open interview. Um, and so, then, go ahead. Uh, no, going towards, uh, I guess, the more of the subjective rating versus uh, performance rating. And you mentioned kind of trust, honesty. Uh, I find it, um, you know, it's going to be a little bit, obviously, they, you know, you want somebody who's trustworthy, you want somebody who's honest, those sort of things. But if you use those on the same cumulative scale, you know, if it's a five point scale, and they, you know, this farm manager is rating them a, a five on both, but the other one has more of a, conservative standpoint says hey there are three on both because you can't be you can't be high performing at honesty either you lied or you didn't uh but then that person who got rated a five maybe they're lagging on production quality but that helps them bring it up so then you may be promoting or compensating somebody who's who's not as a higher performance or or consistent or reliable um, and their day-to-day -day job responsibilities over somebody who maybe is. And that's, again, kind of based off of that subjective rating. So to kind of wrap things up here, I'd like for you to, one, for fun here, share something unique about yourself that most people might not know who are listening. And then we, I'd like to hear a couple of your unpopular HR opinions and then a golden nugget for the audience. So let's just start with something unique about yourself and we kind of work our way through. Yeah, I, uh, so something I guess unique myself, I, I think I get enough hard time around, at least around the office around, the, I'm, I'm a formal collegiate wrestler, so I get already get a hard time for how I eat and everything else. Everybody knows I'm pretty regimented in that fashion. Uh, but I am, uh, I'm a huge believer in the Pareto principle just because, uh, you know, if you, if anybody's, um, super busy out there, uh, as a, as a, father, you know, a husband and father, mother, mother and wife, uh, a lot of things can get lost in the mix, but you know, you, you know, I always, um, this is kind of my golden nugget too, but, you know, I sit down every morning, uh, with pen and paper before I touch my cell phone for the day and start looking at emails or whatnot. And start really looking at okay, if I if I want to be the best you know husband I can be, this is the one thing I need to do today, you know. And and what, like we spoke earlier, you know, today it's a, it's hanging a rack in the garage. So hopefully that gives me a little bit of lax throughout the weekend. Uh, but you know, and then it becomes a you know what do I need to do as a father, and what what do I need to do to to help the rest of my team at New Fashion Pork? 
And uh, if I could sit down and write those three things, and, and that'd be my golden nugget too, is, is look at, you know, how you can really help the rest of your team uh, contribute to one another, you know, and, and I know um, each individual that you've probably uh, interviewed on this podcast would agree too, is, is uh, it's the team around you that really, that really helps build you. And uh, my human resources team and then my greater team at New Fashion Pork it's, it's when you really start, you know, working together as a family and joining off one another. And when somebody else's priorities um, become your priorities, that's, that's the difference that really starts to move the wheel forward. You know, and with us, that started with Brad and Meg and it, it continues on, you know, almost 26 years later. So before we sign off, can you share your most uncommon HR belief? Uh, you know, and that always kind of takes, uh, you know, you know, that's, you know, there's definitely some out there that, uh, that would see it kind of the same way. You know, I, I did, um, there's three things that, you know, maybe number one is, uh, you know, that's a pretty common thing right now is everybody's chasing turnover and, uh, there is a healthy, healthy level of turnover too. And we touched base on it a little bit with, uh, you know, identifying, you know, contributors, high level of contributors and uh, non-contributors. So there's a little bit of that, you know, that good level of turnover too. And it could be a healthy relationship, you know, being in a barn, sell farm or grow finish barn and in this industry and the ups and downs that it's provided, um, it's not the best fit for everybody, nor is, you know, is, you know just the same as, um, you know, if you're breaking it down the South, you know, somebody who's geared towards more of a South farm, may not uh, be the same for grow finish and vice versa. It takes different personality tapes and um, special people to do so in each industry. So chasing turnover, I think, um, you know, when the rest of the world and, you know, Amazons and, uh, you know, on ZipRecruiter, 20% of the jobs right now offer a signing bonus. And I think most of those are north of a thousand dollars. And a lot of those are based in Iowa, Wyoming, um, Missouri was a few of those states listed. And, you know, that's right. Kind of, in, you know, we have farms in each one of those or not Missouri, but, you know, around the Midwest. Um, so Did you say there. Burger King? Did yeah, you say Burger, Burger King even had one? Uh, yep. Burger King. Um, you know, and I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to do any advertising for them um, simply because I think my kids are more of a Chick-fil-A and Five Guys fan. So, so I'll leave it at that. Uh, but uh, um you know, that start looking at a different metric. So if you're, if your system is always looking at, you know, I, I asked, I asked the, the audience um, last week too, what their average turnover or what their average employee was there. And, uh, you know, I got six months and then another gentleman, the same crowd said, if I'm lucky and another one said 18 months. But the thing is, is that last year, the, the Bureau of Liberal Statistics put out that in the last 10 years, each demographic man or woman has decreased in their tenure. And, uh, and that just goes, you know, maybe it's, a, it's that starting to battle over labor a little bit too, but start to look at, you know, again, that time to productivity. If somebody's, if somebody wants to leave, that could also be healthy, whether it's, whether it's um, two months, you know, hopefully not, right. Maybe that's one of those that, you know, if they're not for a fit, then we could start looking at training an individual that is fit and that will stay there. But if it's two or three years and they want to grow and progress, you know, within the industry or decide they want to move on with their careers or their personal lives, that's got to be fine. And that's where, you know, you have to have that balance within your system that um, start to look at that time to productivity. How fast can they add value to the, your organization 
because then the number one thing that's always at the top of every HR conference, at least that I've been to is, you know, how can you, you have these engagement, engagement programs, we have an engagement team, um, and you have like a, you know, special this team or whatever else, and how can we engage our workforce? But the number one thing that always comes up is how can we make sure that they know they're contributing uh, to the overall organization output? And that's what we talked about today was, you know, looking at the metrics, giving them a number or grade and saying, hey, this is your level of contribution, clear, cut and dry for the most part. And here it is. And uh, so you, you really are providing that person with what they're looking for in the end anyway. Um, but it may become come off a little brash if I'm saying, don't worry about if, if people are leaving. And, uh, you know, this is my this is my my side note, too, is, you know, don't go to your HR department and say, you know, hey, I heard on this podcast, you know, t- high turnover is OK. Uh, so don't flip it around <laughs> on me. either. Uh, another one, you know, don't chase best practices. You know, we're firm believers at New Fashion Pork that we have obviously common problems around the industry. And a lot of those things can get applied um, with possibly some modifications too. And, and by all means, you don't go out and recreate the wheel every time you identify a problem. That's not what I'm saying. But uh, at the end of the day, you got to make sure it's for the right car, too. You know, you can't go out there and uh, slap on a best practice and say, uh, you know, this worked for somebody else or this must be the problem because I have a solution we can look at. And, uh, and I think that's the worst place you could put yourself as a support service or production role is just if something, if you're looking at an issue and you found the, the problem in the past and this has been the solution, it's okay, that must be the problem and I'm just going to put on this solution. So best practices, um, uh, you kind of uh, get to that, you know, following the herd concept and uh, you don't want to put yourself in that either. And uh, I'll, I'll give the last one would be that concept of, of the, the ownership and, and we all own a part. Um, and that's very true. We all own a part. Um, there's just different parts of, of the output and you need to have strict ownership of what your part is um, because it could be it could be providing ownership to every level of the team. And that's the right thing to do. Um, just don't let it be the passing of the buck either. Well, thank, thanks for sharing those and, and thanks for breaking them down for us all to, to take home those three main points that you brought forward to, to really think about. Thanks for joining us on the episode too. It's been great to have you as a guest and you've shared so much that uh, we can internalize and think through and figure out how might we bring this back to our operations. So I just want to thank you a lot for your time today. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com to receive updates when new episodes are available. Popular Pig is brought to you by Swine Tech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. <laughs>